0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org.
1: So you know, it is a good, good, good thing for Christians to be able to say that. To be able to say, it is well with my soul. And I can tell you that that is the truth. That when you know Christ, that's for real. That's for real. For Gil and me to be able to sing that, that truth is for real. That it is well with our soul today. And so I'll tell you something, friend. If you know Christ, you know that's the truth. If you don't know jesus you go man how can it be well with my soul when all this junk is going on around me and all this stuff is in my life and everything and i don't have any clue or direction or purpose in my life and that's that's what i want to share with you today is that it can be well with your soul let me tell you about that hymn Uh, there's a guy named horatio spafford and he lived back in the mid 1800s that that hymn was written back in the 1870s so Kind of a little different twist for our refuge service to sing a hymn that was written in 1870. But I want to tell you about this. Horatio Spafford was this very wealthy lawyer and businessman who lived in Chicago, Illinois. And he was married to a lady named Anna. They had five kids. And uh, so they, you know, you think, man, they get very wealthy, well to do, very successful businessman, that kind of thing. But they were not, like all of us, they were not immune. To pain. They were not shielded from trouble and struggle. In 1871, they had five kids one boy and four girls. And in 1871, that one little boy died. And then, if you know your history, you know back in the 1870s there was what's called the Great Chicago Fire. And like half of Chicago was wiped out. It was back in the day, way before advanced firefighting techniques sydney and and hunter and you know and it just got away from and it destroyed like half of chicago i mean just just wiped nearly the whole city out and mr spafford lost his business he lost so much stuff so i mean these folks you know it doesn't matter how much money you got how successful you are you you still gonna have some struggle in your life and so that's that's kind of what had happened early on in their life and then on November the 21st so that was 1871 when their their son died November the 21st of 1873 Miss Spafford and their four daughters got on a French ocean liner headed from Chicago to Europe they were going to go on a vacation and so they got on the ocean liner about to head over some a a problem came up in Mr. Spafford's business and he wasn't able to go with them because he had to deal with some problems in his business so he said y'all go ahead you and the girls go ahead. I'll catch the next one. I'll catch up with y'all in a couple of days. Y'all just go ahead and go on over there. So they got on the ocean liner, took off, went across, the, headed across the Atlantic Ocean. Four days into the voyage, the ship struck another ship, and all of a sudden, everybody on the ocean liner was in danger as the ship began to sink. Miss Spafford grabbed her four daughters, got them up to the deck of the ship, and she gathered them up, and they just started praying. 12 minutes later, only 12 minutes, 12 minutes later, the ocean liner that they were on slipped beneath the surface of the ocean and all four of their daughters died. Ms. Spafford was the only one who survived out of their family. All four of her daughters died. So she got picked up by some sailor in a rowboat and took, uh, got her to safety and about nine days later, she sent a telegram. We I mean, didn't have cell phones, didn't have computers, all that kind of stuff. 1873. So, she, she sent a telegram to her husband back in Chicago, and these were the words of her uh, on the telegram. She said, "Saved, alone. What shall I do? Your is, Wouldn't that be the question you'd be asking? What What am I going to do?" mr. Spafford when he found out about the tragedy and that he lost his four daughters after losing his son he lost all his kids after losing his son two years earlier and then lose all four of his daughters he caught the next ocean liner to go catch up with his wife and as he crossed the Atlantic the captain of the ship that he was on knew that mr. Spafford was on the ship knew what he had been through and when they got to the place in the ocean where the other ocean liner had gone down where his daughters had perished The captain called to him and said we're at that place now mr. Spafford went up on the deck of the ship just thinking and grieving and he wrote when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot Lord you have taught me to say It is well, it is well with my soul. So I'm telling you, in the midst of grief, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of pain, you can know that it is well with your soul. Today we're going to look at Mark chapter 16, two verses, verses 12 and 13, as we wrap up this Gospel of Mark series that we've been in over the course of the month of April. We're going to look at Mark chapter 16, we're going to find two disciples who were overcome with grief two disciples that are overcome with fear, two disciples that are overcome with confusion, certainly, surely the same feelings that Horatio Spafford and Anna Spafford were experiencing in their lives as they grieved and confused and afraid, and God, why, God, why, God, why? We're going to find two disciples that are going through those same two things and figure out what has happened in their lives and what that means for our lives. They're trying to figure out what the future would hold for them, just like Horatio and Anna Spafford were trying to figure out what the future held for them. These guys were too. So grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, just two verses this morning, and stand please, and let's read these. Hope you got your Bible with you and got it open today. Mark chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. After these things, now stop right there, the, these things he's talking about is the resurrection. Because if you backed up, you remember what we talked about last week, last week was Easter Sunday, we are talking about resurrection. So after these things, after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, after the three women that went to the tomb came back and told them all this stuff. So after these things, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them, two of the disciples, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest but they did not believe them. May God bless the reading of these two verses of his word. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to teach us and lead us and guide us. We want to hear from you today. And Lord, we want to respond in obedience. I pray that's what will happen in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So Mark's Gospel. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know that. First four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark's Gospel is the shortest of all four. It's my favorite gospel and it's not just it's not because it's the shortest but I just love Mark because of the way that he wrote. These guys wrote to different audiences, they wrote for different reasons. They were all telling the same story. They the gospels is the good news of Jesus. They're telling the story of Jesus Christ, but they're telling it from their perspective and telling it to a certain group of people. So Mark is Mark just kind of got to the point. He 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 cut to the chase. He he didn't He didn't tell the story of Jesus' birth. You know, you find that in Luke, and it came to pass in those days that went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So you get that from Luke chapter 2 and and things like that. Mark didn't dwell a lot on the teachings of Jesus. Now, he didn't say they weren't important. He just didn't stay there. He was more concerned about the actions of Jesus. That's why in your Bible, if you've got the NIV, the ESV, you'll find the word immediately. If you you walk through the Gospel of Mark, you would find the word immediately about 40 to 50 times or the words at once maybe your bible would say at once same thing but cuz that's what mark did he would say he he just got bam 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 you go i right, jesus did this and immediately he went and did this and he did this and immediately he went over here and did this and then this happened and then immediately jesus went over here and did, he, that's just the way mark wrote and, and and that's it's just that's why it's a great gospel to read because it just got in a quick snapshot of Jesus' life and ministry. You see what Jesus did, and that's why here in Mark chapter sixteen you got two verses about this thing called the road to Emmaus. Some of you folks have been on the walk to Emmaus. This is where this comes from. And and so you get in Mark in Mark chapter sixteen you got two verses, but keep your finger there, Mark sixteen, and flip over to Luke chapter twenty four. Go to the next gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The next book, and go to the last again. The last chapter in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter twenty-four, and starting in verse thirteen, you see this same story. So this gives you what th- this this shows you what I'm talking about. Mark takes two verses to tell this story. Luke takes twenty-two verses to tell this story. Mark told it in two verses. Luke told it in twenty-two verses. To tell this story of the road to Emmaus encounter. There was one pastor who said that this the journey to Emmaus was both a literal and a spiritual journey. It's a literal journey because you got two disciples, two followers of Jesus, who had spent time with Jesus, who had heard him teach, who had followed him, who had watched him learn from him saw him get crucified, saw him die, saw him get put into a tomb. Literally, these two guys going through all of this traumatic experience and then having these three ladies come and say, hey, you, his, his body's gone, he's alive. And they're going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And so these two guys are literally walking seven miles from, uh, from Jerusalem uh, down to a little village called Emmaus. So they're lit- it's a literal journey. These two guys walking along there, just talking about what 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 they had, what had just happened. Just like you and I would do. I mean, when you go through a hard time in your life, you got to have your you got to have your friend with you. You got to have your bro with you. You got to have your, your girlfriend with you, you know, your, your friend girl. You just, you got to have that person with you to help you get through this tough time that you're in. And sometimes, you know, you just got to go for a walk to clear your head. You know what I'm saying? Yesterday I went for a walk. I walked for about an hour and a half yesterday. Just, just went for a walk, you know. Matt drove by me, didn't even wave at me, and it just broke my heart. But I was just telling you, so I just, uh, you know, I, was just, I just went for a walk. Just need to clear my head, just need to think about something. Just, just listen to some good worship music. Just talk to the Lord a lot. Listen to him. And that's what these guys were doing they were just walking together just going. man can you believe what we just what is going on man and the fear and the confusion and the the sadness and the grief you got to have those people and so that's what these guys were doing they were just walking together so it was a literal thing but then it's a spiritual thing because this 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 the spiritual journey that these guys were on that we're on shows us helps us understand the importance of encountering Jesus in a real way and hearing from Jesus when he speaks and then responding with your life after you encounter him and hear him and then you respond with your life just like these guys did like we're gonna see here in just a second so that's what I want to say to you today I want you to understand that today this place in here eight o'clock and then again Lord willing at eleven o'clock is a time for you to encounter the risen living Jesus And to hear him speak I want to tell you something I want you to understand something the Lord still speaks amen do you believe that he still speaks and when I say he speaks he speaks not in an audible voice never heard him speak in an audible voice I'm telling you the Lord still speaks he still talks to his children and I've heard guys say and I understand what they're saying I but I don't fully agree with what they say I've seen guys put this on Twitter and social media because it sounds really cool and spiritual to say this Because people will say if you want to hear God speak then just open the Bible and read it out loud. And then you'll hear God speak. Now I, I know what they're saying. I understand. This is the word of God. I understand that. But let me tell you something, my friends. God still speaks. He wakes you up at three seventeen in the morning and says, Hey, I got something to say to you. You need to get up and go listen to what I'm about to say to you. He still speaks. Well, how do you know that, John? Because he never says anything that is contrary to this. You want to know how God's speaking? Because it will never contradict this. This is his word. But when he speaks and when he says, this is something I've got for you, this is something you need to do, this is a change you need to make in your life, and he speaks to you like I believe he will speak to you this morning, it will be in agreement with this, and it will confirm that this is the truth of the word of God. And then you've got to do something with it. When he speaks. And so that's what we see here, man, is these guys are going down this literal journey, and then it's this spiritual journey, the road to Emmaus. You know, over 20 years ago, Desert Storm happened, and there was a lady named Ruth Dillow. She got a call from the Pentagon. She got a message from the Pentagon that said that her son, Clayton, had been killed. He had stepped on a landmine in Kuwait. So she was devastated just like you would expect her to be and she said this she said I can't begin to describe my grief and shock it was almost more than I could bear for three days I just wept I expressed anger and loss for three days people tried to comfort me but nothing worked the loss was simply too great but then three days after she got the message from the Pentagon her phone rang and she answered it and she recognized the voice on the other end of the phone when the voice said mom it's me it's Clayton I'm alive, and she said at first, I couldn't believe it at first, but then I recognized his voice and realized that he truly was alive. The message was all a mistake. I laughed, I cried, I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, who I thought was dead, was actually alive. That is the road to Emmaus right there. These two disciples walking down thinking Jesus was dead. They saw him die. They saw him bleed. They saw him and heard him cry out, it is finished. They saw this happen. They knew it had happened. They knew he had been put into a tomb. And now they find out here in just a second, he's alive. So let's talk about what happened because here's the application for this message. If we truly believe that Jesus is alive and is the savior of the world, church, then we got work to do. If we truly believe, if today you are a Christ follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you truly believe that Jesus is alive and you truly believe that he's the Savior of the world, then you've got some work to do. So let's talk about this road to Emmaus encounter, what happened. Number one, he showed up and shared. Jesus showed up and shared. So Mark gives it, again, Mark gives it one verse. Mark 16, 12, he gives it one verse where he says, after these things, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. That's all Mark says about it. Mark gives it one verse, Luke gives it 17 verses and, and talks about what Jesus did. So that's the bulk of the story here. That's the bulk of this encounter. That these two guys are walking down the road and then Jesus shows up. So it says, they, uh, verse 15 says they were talking and discussing together. Jesus drew near. Verse 16 said, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And then he said to them, hey, what's this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? In other words, what y'all talking about? <laughs> I mean, don't you love Jesus doing that, just kind of walking? Hey, what, what y'all talking about? And it says there, and I love what it says, verse 17, it says, and they stood still looking sad. Well, don't you, don't you think that's what you would have done? I mean, think, put yourself there. Pretend like you're one of those disciples. You're walking with your bro, and you're talking about what's going on and how bad things are and scared, and what if we're next? What if the Roman authorities are coming for us? What if they're going to kill us? What's going to happen? What are we going to do? What's gonna going to go on? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows us that, hey, what y'all talking about? And it says they just stopped and looked. He just just like, What? We did, and then he goes on to tell you, even verse 18, they said, one of the guys named Cleopas answered said, Man, you're the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened. I mean, where have you been? What hole did you crawl out of, man? Are you the only person in Jerusalem that know what's been going on? And then Jesus said, No, what things? I mean, he did it again. He's like, No, what, what things are you talking about? He's just kind of drawing them out, engaging them in this conversation. So then they said, Okay, well, we'll tell you. And so then they told the whole story. They told you, can see it in Luke chapter 24. I'm not going to go through it. They told the whole story. said, this is what happened. And so then, Jesus took over the conversation, <laughs> which is good, oh, always good. So Jesus took over the conversation, and it says there, look, look, go to verse 25 in Luke 24. So he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them. Look, look, listen now. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In my Bible, I've got the word himself in a bright blue highlighter because I want to remember that Jesus talked about himself. So what he did when he engaged them, he took he took their scriptures. Remember their scriptures were the Old Testament. He took their scriptures and he went to the prophets and he started pulling out the prophets and talking about the prophets, talking about himself, the things that the prophets had said. So the Bible doesn't tell us exactly who it's what he said, but I got a feeling that if he was going to talk about the prophets, he probably would have been he probably would have gone to Isaiah chapter fifty three which is the story about the, where, where, the, where Isaiah talked about the suffering servant. He probably went to Isaiah 53.3 and said, do, do, y'all not remember, do y'all not remember that he was, uh, he was despised and rejected by men? Do y'all not remember the prophet said that this, this Messiah was going to be despised and rejected by men, that he was going to be a man who would suffer a lot? Y'all, y'all remember your prophet saying that? Maybe he said, you know, remember the, the Isaiah said that he was oppressed and afflicted. You remember? And he said he was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. and he kept his mouth shut. He didn't say anything. You remember the prophet saying that? like you a sheep a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. Don't you remember your prophet talking about the Messiah doing that? What about this guy that don't you remember? Maybe he said, talked about the prophet Zechariah and said, do you all remember when Zechariah said, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they have pierced? Don't you remember that? And so he talked to them using their prophets. He talked to them about himself. And so we need to remember that that's what Jesus he helped them with he he helped them remember who their word of god said he was you know paul said in romans 10:17 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god I love the way the CSB puts it. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So this is what Jesus was doing. He was plowing and cultivating their hearts with the seeds of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, the truth about Him, because this whole book, Old Testament and New Testament, is about Jesus. And so He took their scriptures and said, Remember what your scripture said about this guy. So he showed up and shared. Secondly, they recognized and they responded. Luke keeps talking about it. So Mark doesn't include this next part. Mark, Luke tells us that once, once this, is, this is so good, y'all, once Jesus started talking to these guys and started drawing them in and something was happening within them, we'll find that out in just a second, something was going on. Something was stirring up inside of them, just like some of you right now. Maybe something's stirring up inside of you. You just thought you were just coming to church today, and yet now something is going. It's like, wait a minute, what's this? What's going on right now? And so they said, hey, man, wait. why don't you just come eat supper with us? Uh, you know, I told the 80 o'clock crowd, maybe he's from the South. Just come eat supper. Why don't you come on over to the house just eat supper with us? You know? And so be, that's what these guys said. Just why don't you stay with us? Stay with us. Come. Because you know, y'all, there's something special around about sitting around a table talking. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you sit around the table, and the conversation's so good. I mean, I remember when I was, when the kids were little, we'd go to Papa and Granny's, go to my mom and daddy's house in Cleveland. They had a little bitty old house, about 1,400 square feet, one bathroom, and we'd all pile up in there, and we'd get up around Mama's uh, dining room table at Thanksgiving and man the table be covered with food and We'd pull every chair up that we could we'd pull up the uh, the piano bench and everything else Just trying to crowd Everybody in around the table and we'd sit there and we'd eat and we'd laugh and talk and cut up and have a great time and Then when, so, when when the meal was over we kept on talking and right over here were couches and comfortable chairs and recliners and stuff like that, but We wanted to stay at the table That's where the conversation was, and that's what they were just saying to Jesus. Hey, come sit with us. And so he went on in with them, and it says, when they when he broke bread, he when he broke the bread. I, I mean, just again, just try to be, try to be there. Try to be in that moment. Try to be in that situation. He broke bread, and all of a sudden, it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Verse 31. It's like, oh, oh geez, Jesus, Jesus. The, the, the Greek word literally means that their eyes were completely opened and they fully comprehended who he was. And then it says they, and so as soon as they saw him, boom, he was gone. I told you he had that resurrection body, boom, he, he disappeared, he was gone. Just, just, he, was just, he just disappeared. And they looked at each other and said, man, man where our heart, my heart was burning as he was talking to us, my heart was burning. Something was going on inside of me when my heart was burned. The great preacher from days gone by, a guy named Charles Spurgeon, called this the blessed heartburn. And I love that because we need to have some blessed heartburn because what was going on here, these guys, these disciples, were set on fire because the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, was speaking the written Word of God into their hearts and into their lives right there. And the Word of God tells us that when you hear the Word, you can't just be a hearer. You've got to be a doer of the Word. And these guys responded, Man, my heart was on fire. Can I straight up tell you, I hope there's some folks in this room today that your heart's going to get on fire for the Lord. That you're going to walk out of here set on fire for Jesus. Because you're encountering him and you're hearing from him. And look at what these guys did. They recognized and responded. And then they went back and they witnessed. Look back over to Luke chapter, I mean Mark chapter 16, verse 13. They went back and told the rest. Now, I like the way Mark put that. Just, I mean, he got straight to the point. They, saw, they met Jesus and he didn't tell the whole story. But then he said after they met Jesus, they went back and told the rest. That, that Greek word foretold is the word that means they proclaimed it. They didn't just go, hey, guess what happened to us? I mean, they proclaimed it. They reported to these guys. They, they declared, and they had to. They had to because when you encounter Jesus, you've got to tell people when you find out that Jesus is real and that Jesus is alive, and that he'll save you. You've got to tell people. And that's what these guys did. They went back and told Jesus is alive. Now, it says that some people didn't believe. Well, guess what? That's going to happen all the time. There's some of you here today that don't believe this. You're here, and you're kind of giving mental assent to it. Yes, yes, pastor, that's a very good talk you're giving today. But you don't believe it down here. Because if you did, your heart would be set on fire. These guys went back, and you go tell some people. These guys, they went back and they witnessed. All right, so we sang a hymn from 1870 to start this message. There was another guy named Ernest Nickel in 1896. It was a newer, a newer song, 1896, <laughs> uh, wrote another song, wrote another hymn. Four verses to that hymn. The first verse says this. We have a story to tell to the nations. When you know that Jesus is alive, you've got a story to tell. The second verse begins like this. We have a song to be sung to the nations. Yep. third verse starts like this. We have a message to give to the nations. Yep, that's exactly right. The fourth verse starts like this. We have a Savior to show to the nations. Because when you're like these guys and Jesus has showed up and he's shared and he's spoken into your life and you recognize that and you respond to him and then you go back and you witness that's what these guys did so what are we supposed to do here April the 24th 2022 First Baptist Flora at 10:30 in the morning it's time for me to end so what are we supposed to do We do this We are now called and commissioned We are now called and commissioned So after Jesus died, rose from the grave, 40 days later, he ascended back to heaven where he is right now at the right hand of the throne of God waiting for the Father to say, go back and get my kids and then rapture the church out of here. That could happen before I finish this next statement. One of these days. So he ascended back. So right here before he ascended back to heaven, he had some last things to say. Look at what he said, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You remember what Matthew said, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's what Matthew said. How did Luke put it? Luke 24, verses 47 through 49, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city, Jesus said, until you are clothed with power from on high. And then Luke said it in Luke in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if this same Jesus that appeared to these two disciples is alive today and if you have encountered him and some of you haven't yet and that's okay and that's why you're here today you're having your first encounter with Jesus and you need to come to Jesus day and be saved so come on if you're encountering Jesus for the first time today give your life to Christ and be saved today. But for the rest of us that have encountered Jesus as an eight-year-old boy at the Walter Sillers Coliseum at Delta State University at a crusade one Sunday night, this eight-year-old boy encountered Jesus, and my life was forever changed. So whenever that happened for you, if it's happened for you, then if that's for real, then you have been called, and you have been commissioned to, to do these things, to tell people. So I got one challenge for you. On January the 2nd of this year, the first Sunday of this year, I preached a sermon entitled, Win One, Disciple One. Win One, Disciple One. And I issued the challenge the first Sunday of this year that every member, e- not every member, but every Christ follower who's a part of First Baptist Church Flora would win one person to Jesus and disciple one person in their walk with Christ. That's it. Win one person, disciple one person, and that's my challenge to you again today. To either commit to that, maybe that's the first time you've heard it. Maybe, you know, we can't. You know, win one, disciple one. Oh, that's cute, man. Hashtag W1D1. Oh man, that's good. But man, it's more than a hashtag. It's more than just a little, a little title of a sermon. It's what Jesus told us to do. To win people to Jesus and disciple people in their walk with Christ. And so I challenge you today either to commit to that for the first time or recommit since January the 2nd. You ain't won anybody to Jesus yet. You hadn't talked to anybody about Jesus yet. Then do that. If he's alive and if you know he's the Savior of the world, then you got work to do. You don't get to just sit on the sidelines. You don't get to just sit back and just go. I'm staying right here. I'm, no, this you, we've got work to do. I will tell you this too. I told the eight o'clock crowd. Had people come out and talk, tell me how they liked that. Not that and I was trying to get people to like what I said, that's not what I'm talking about. Let me just, let me just tell you what I told them. So here's the deal. I want to give you this uh, this opportunity too as well. Listen. If you win somebody to faith in Jesus, if you take this seriously, like I need to as well, take this seriously as a Christ follower, and you win somebody to faith in Christ, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight, "Go and make disciples," and then He said, "And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." So let me tell you something: If you win somebody to faith in Jesus and you want to baptize them, come on, you get in the baptistry, you baptize them, you baptize them. As long as you and I get together, and let me make sure you understand what baptism is all about. The baptism doesn't save anybody. It's a picture of what has happened in that person's life. But if you win somebody faith in Christ, and you want to baptize them, come on, I'll let you get in the baptistry, and you baptize them. There's nowhere in here that says the preacher who's been to seminary is the only one that gets to baptize people. So if you want to baptize somebody, win them to faith in Christ, bring them down the aisle here, get them in the baptistry, and baptize them. You, you want to do that as long as you understand man hey look daddy if you win your son to Christ you win your son to Christ and you want to baptize him come on bro I would love for you to do that mama you win your daughter to Christ and you want to baptize her sweetheart you get in that baptistry papa you win that grandson to Christ and you want to be the one to baptize him why does the preacher get all the no you I get out of the way you do it can you imagine can you imagine There are about 160 people at 8 o'clock I don't know how many folks are here this morning probably about a 185 or something, I don't know, maybe 200 folks in here, I don't know. Um, Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what it would be like? Let's say there's 200 people in here. I don't know. I'm not good at estimating that. Let's say there's 200 people in here. Can you imagine? There's 200 Christ followers in here. (laughs) Can you imagine what would happen if we took this seriously? And if you got some blessed heartburn today, and you got on fire for Jesus, And you went out there and you won somebody faith in Christ. And we had 200 of y'all come and say, hey, John, I'd like to baptize somebody. Can you imagine what that would do? Can you imagine how folks would be giving glory to God for that if that's what happened in this church? And that's what can happen in this church. If we have a real encounter with Jesus... And if we really hear him speak to us and then we really do what these guys do, did and they went back and told people and they responded, man, my heart was burning. I got to do something with this. Jesus just spoke to me and I got to do something with this now. Or they can just keep being business as usual. And I straight up tell you, I hate business as usual. come on church what's it gonna be what's it gonna be are you gonna let your heart get on fire for the Lord maybe your heart used to be on fire for the Lord maybe you're sitting there thinking man I remember back when I was so fired up for Jesus man I was so fired up for the Lord I'd attack I'd attack hell with a water pistol if I had to man I'm telling you I was so fired up for Jesus and now life has hit you and bills have come to you and now the babies have come and now the ball teams are going and now The school has gotten in the way, and the business is just going crazy, or it's not going good, and you just, life has just got you just so jacked up, messed up. You just, and you just, man, that fire for Jesus has just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. Well, guess what? (laughs) I could all change today if you encounter Jesus father would you help us today during these moments of invitation Lord to let you do your work in our hearts and lives God I thank you that Horatio Spafford wrote those words God I, I hate that he had to go through what he went through but God I thank you that he wrote those words That it is well with my soul because it's so true Lord when we encounter Jesus it's well it's okay uh, we're gonna go through tough times but it's gonna be okay but when our hearts get on, set on fire for you Lord Jesus We go turn the world upside down, and you can use this in ways we never dreamed was possible. And that's what you want to do. So, Lord, I pray for my church family, my brothers and sisters in this place today. Lord, I pray for anybody here today that's never encountered Jesus. And right now, today is the day that they're going to encounter you, Jesus, and be saved. If that's you, call out to Jesus right now and be saved. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved today. Come into my heart and life and save me, Jesus. Call out to him. He's here. He's with us. Call out to him. Let him save you. And then for the rest of us, church, is your heart on fire this morning? You need to do something about it. Respond. Lord, help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.